So I want to get into um, what I wanted to talk about tonight was one of my favorite favorite topics, um, not my favorite topic, but a, a favorite story of mine that I'm sure you're familiar with or have heard before. It's um, it's about it's a, one of the stories about Milarepa, um, who was a, a Tibetan wise man who lived about 1100 CE in Tibet. And there are many stories about him, but this one is the one where he is, um, he lives in a cave in the mountains and he was out gathering firewood one day. And when he came back, the cave was full of demons. It was just absolutely jam packed with demons, loud screaming, yelling. I don't know if they're blowing smoke, but my mind is just, you know, create the demons that I have. So they're just, and so he's like looking at them. And the first thing he does is he starts screaming at them. He starts yelling at them, um, jumping up and down, telling them to get out, trying to scare them. And it doesn't have any impact at all. In fact, they seem to be more comfortable and um, they just kind of settle in. And so he realizes, okay, that's not working. This aversive um reaction to them doesn't work so what he then does is he starts um, teaching them dharma so he starts talking about um, mindfulness and compassion and you know greed hatred and delusion and all the all the the basic teachings and they just kind of sat there and looked at him like he was talking some different language and they had no idea what he they just like stared at him and he said okay, that's not working. So then he decides maybe they have something to teach him. So he looks, he goes up to each demon and he says, and he bows to them and he says, it looks like we're going to be here together. So he says, all right, here we are. We're all together. I open myself to whatever you have to teach me. And what happened was, all they all disappeared they just went poof except the biggest one um the biggest fiercest one stayed the the one that is dare if we look at it that way is you know deep inside but that big ugly one just kind of hung out and he finally millarepa finally said okay and he put his mouth he put his head into the demon's mouth and said eat me if you wish just this total act of, of letting go, surrender. And he said, eat me if you wish. And the demon bowed to Milarepa and disappeared. He bowed to him and disappeared. And I love this story because it is so emblematic, I think, of how it's our spiritual path. It's our journey of how we um, relate to our experiences, relate to our feelings, our emotions, the, the experiences we have. And um, it's, it's so it's the story of our sp spiritual growth, spiritual practice for me. Um, and I think for so many of us, um, we just live our lives um, without really paying a whole bunch of attention, at least until we come to practice that we're just kind of 
if to, to keep it couched in the terms of the story that um, we're just going about our business and these things are in our way, things we don't like, and we yell and we scream or we fight. I like to say we get into a fist fight with reality. Things are not the way we think they should be. Um, you're not the way I think you should be. It's not turning out the way I think it should turn out. All these different um, variations on shoulds. Um, and uh, we get caught up in craving. We get caught up in wanting. You know the story. We want or we don't want. And we're busy manipulating. We're busy. That's why we get caught in, in the future and the past, because we want to plan and organize and control, or we want to change or just ruminate over over what's going on. And so um, we begin to recognize when we come to practice, we begin to recognize these things instead of just the world being a, a crappy place that we have to make the best in, you know, that we have to just drag ourselves through. Not all the time, obviously, but a lot of the times we struggle with so many things. I was I was listening to something recently. You know, I've, I've been in a lot of classes and, and things lately, so I can't remember where exactly I heard this one, but someone was saying they didn't come to Buddhist practice. They came to Buddhist practice because it was really difficult for them. It was, they were having a difficult time and they thought that this this path would be a way out, would be a way to um, get some ease. And not necessarily even these Buddhist teachings, but sometimes meditation is a way in. So sometimes I know that for me, my life was, there was a lot of discomfort in my life. And I kept trying meditation, meditation, meditation until I found a real formal way to practice and got into the teachings. I was just driven by what my life was, what was going on and not really able to um, deal with a lot of the things that were coming up. I didn't want to um, look at these demons that were kind of living in my cave. They were, they were in my cave, they were in my backpack, they were in my car, they were in my bedroom, my kitchen, my dining room, they were everywhere. And I just kept going, la, 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 I don't see them, stuff them down, stuff them down, fight them off, fight them off, fight them off, um, and kept running the other way. And so, you know, what we do is we finally stop I talked about it a few weeks ago. I think we arrive. You know, we, we're not there. We're not back here. We're not over there. We're here. We arrive where we are. We can't be anywhere else, but we really make the decision to arrive. And so it's like arriving in the cave. You know, we get to the mouth of the cave and we open our eyes and we see all these things and begin to identify I mean, sometimes we identify them beforehand, but we're not, they're just taking over. We're not that, that particularly aware of them. So we, um, we for maybe the first time begin to see how predominant these demons are. Jack Cornfield actually has a chapter in his book, A Path with Heart, called Naming, I think it's called Naming the Demons, Naming Your Demons, something like that. Um, so it's important to not only see these demons, but begin to recognize them that, and, and there's a few, 
um, there's a few demons that you might um, relate to, like, well, grasping and wanting, which is craving and clinging and holding on to things long past their due date. You know, we should have, we should have dumped that stuff a long time ago because it's, it's expired, but we're still holding on to those old ideas or whatever they are. Um, judgment is a demon. Critical voice, that judging of ourselves. What a painful demon. It's so painful. A lot of these can be really painful, but we just sometimes think it's the way it is, and so we just have to deal with it. Uh, the restlessness, the worry, a lot of these are the hindrances, um, the craving, the aversion, the restlessness, the worry, anger, you know. Um, uh, I like busyness. That's a way to distract ourselves from what's going on. Fear is the ground of so many of our demons. They're, you know, you clear away, you take off all their masks, and it's like one big demon of fear. Um Boredom. I like the, I, Jack Hornfield talks about boredom being a type of aversion, which is when we don't like what's happening, we just get, oh, I'm so bored. It's kind of a dullness and a distraction too. But can we be with the, the, the flat, the flat ocean? Can we just be with that? We don't need surf. We don't need waves right now. It's like this, this flat, this ease. And sometimes we can't deal with it. Um, Doubt, lust, shame, regret, expectations that we have or limitations that we place on ourselves. I can't do that. I, I'm not good enough. You know, P perfection, all these different, all these names we can put on these things, these that, um, you know, a lot of them are just different aspects of craving, of aversion, um, a fear. So um, we're so used to fighting them. And when we fight them, they sometimes get bigger. It's like the teaching of the second arrow. Uh, when you have the pain of the experience and then the pushing against it, the fighting it just exacerbates it. It gets worse. And so when you can turn towards it and just relax to it, it tends to, it doesn't, doesn't necessarily take it away, but it diminishes. We don't double down on it. We don't increase it by, you know, however many, um, however many fold we increase it by. Um, and so when we begin to recognize that these demons, so to speak, are here, we can, um, and we begin to move along this spiritual path and, and take up the practice and get educated about it and learn the teachings. Um, I, I think this second step of him throwing Dharma at the demons is like a spiritual bypass or using, um, I like to say using metta or loving kindness as magic pixie dust. Where you, um, you know, oh, not feeling good here. Throw some meta at it. Oh, your your relationship ended. Well, don't you know everything's impermanent, so you should really get over it. Um, you know, those I I've heard people. I'm sure you've heard people. I'm sure um, I've I've in um, in moments of uh, uh, not being willing to feel the feelings that are present tried to push them away 
by beating it over the head with Dharma. Oh yeah, everything's impermanent. It's okay. You know, don't feel it because, you know, um, all these different teachings that we, we are, we are all one, you know, the, the pushback on recognizing the societal conditioning that we have and the oppression and, and the, the need for addressing um, social ills and uh, people's like, uh, well, don't talk about that because we're all one. It's like, yeah, on an absolute level, we are interconnected, but on a relative level, we have to deal with the reality of the world we live in and the greed and the hatred that kind of um, has created this, this world of oppression in so many different ways, this world of hatred and, um, and bigotry and um, dehumanizing of others. And so to deny all that and say, but we are living on a different plane is, is, is spiritual bypass is dismissiveness. It's, it's kind of, um, putting everything to the side. And so that I, that to me is what is happening in this second attempt by Milarepa to get rid of the demons. It's like, I don't want to have to feel this. I'm just going to sit another three month retreat and just kind of concentrate everything so I don't have to feel. I just don't want to feel. And that's not how it works. And so then when you finally recognize that, then there's the invitation to move into this third part of the the teaching of, oh, they're here. The demons are here. Maybe I can learn from them. Maybe we're going to be here for a while. And this is the practice. This is the invitation that one um, definition or translation of sati, which is usually translated mindfulness, that's the translation of that means be with. So we learn to be with these difficulties. Be with the feelings, be with the sensations. Yeah, it's there's sadness, there's anger. Can you be with it? Not put it on, but be with it. And there's a there's an interview there's an interview with um, Joseph Goldstein a few years ago when his book Mindfulness came out, which is a really excellent book. He really takes a deep dive into the Satipatthana Sutta and the various pieces of the mindfulness um, practice. And he he talks about um, uh, a couple of things. Let's see. One of the things he talks about is, I love, he says, you know, Sati is usually translated as mindfulness, but it's so much more than that. Like it means be with, it means to remember he says it's like you can't just have um, if somebody asks you what is love or what is art, you know, there's not just one definition. It is this. It's like what is sati? It's like it's many things. There's there's nuances to it. So it's the same thing with uh, art, love, sati, mindfulness, be with, remember. So but he talks about um, these different emotions that we feel. So when there's anger, you know, we can, he says, oh, that's what he said. Mindfulness oftentimes means being, um, being in the present moment. 
And he says, you can be in the present moment. You can very much be in the present moment, but not necessarily be mindful. You can be in the present moment and cause great harm because you are allowing the emotions to take over. You have put them on. So you can be very aware that you're angry. But when you're angry and not being mindful, you can hurt others. You can hurt yourself. You can cause harm. It's true with any of these emotions. If we're not mind, mindful in a um, seeing clearly kind of way, and I'm going to read what he says in this um in this quote, in this interview, he says, um, you know, what is mindful? What is mindfulness? We can give a one sentence reply, but the word contains so much more than can be expressed that simply. You know, sati is like that. Just to give one of many examples, the common understanding of what does mindfulness mean would be being in the present moment or connecting to the present moment. But that leaves out the entire ethical dimension of mindfulness, a dimension essential to its meaning. We can be present or connected to the present, present moment experience, but with all kinds of different mind states. We can be in the present moment filled with anger or filled with greed. Although we may be in the present moment, we're not being mindful. We may even recognize it as the present moment experience, but there are key differences between recognition and mindfulness. Recognition in Buddhist psychology is the function of perception, which is one of the aggregates. That's a different function than mindfulness. The ethical dimension of mindfulness reflects the understanding that mindfulness is always a wholesome state. And I find this really interesting. Mindfulness is always a wholesome state or um, skillful. Uh, it's never associated with unwholesome mental factors. So even when unwholesome states like greed or anger are present, in the very moment when we are mindful of anger, for example, and not identified with it, in that moment we are not angry. That's something that each of us should investigate. So that, I think, is really an interesting point, and I think... Um, points to this third um, interaction that Milarepa had with the demons, this recognition of these mind states, these demons that could be demons when we don't see them for what they are, when we're not really being mindful about them, letting anger take over, saying, I am so angry, I am so jealous, I, am, I want that, instead of recognizing, oh, this is here. Anger is here. Sadness and grief are right here. And being with them, not identifying with them, saying they show up as a re reaction to the experience I'm having. And so when we can meet them with that clarity, there's the wisdom develops. And when we have mindfulness and, and this, this, this bringing up of wisdom, then we don't cause harm. We're not ruled by the anger. We're not ruled by the aversion or the craving. We're not dragged around by it. We're able to have a much wiser, more skillful relationship to it.
We don't have to react. In fact, uh, um, Stephen Batchelor says, you know, the, the armies of Mara, which are the demons, the armies of Mara are destroyed with wisdom. As soon as we see them as impersonal and ephemeral, they lose their power. So that's like as soon as Milarepa saw these demons and said, oh, we're here together. They're impersonal. They're ephemeral. That as soon as he saw them that way, they disappeared. You know, the experiential insight is into the nature of Mara, into seeing where this anger, seeing where this greed comes from, is the key to freeing ourselves from it. Bachelor says that in Living with the Devil. There you go, demon. So that is, um, that's how we, we uh, move into a different relationship with these demons. They no longer are so personal. They feel personal. That's why it's so difficult to disengage and see them impersonally without the detached or um, the dissociated experience of spiritual bypass, which is not this wise relationship with these mind states, but it's, a, again, an aversive relationship to mind states because it's like, no, no, I'm using the Dharma to beat, beat those things into submission instead of saying, oh, here they are but they're not taking over. It's, I guess it's much more, um, it's a much wiser, um, much a wiser relationship. And then the last one is this, uh, the big demon. That one um, is, is um, can be seen sometimes as that, that shadow that is the one that, you know, might take years, that one that's so deep, that is so painful, but the invitation is to put our head in its mouth, to be willing to be intimate with the deepest, darkest shadow, the deepest, darkest demon that we have. Can we be intimate with that shadow, with that demon, and say, all right, what do you got? What does he say? Eat me if you wish. We've got nothing to lose. It's here. And it's like, okay. It's, it's, a, it's a putting down of all the weapons that we use to fight our experience with. It's a willingness to be with. And I, um, I have, uh, oh, let me see this one other thing. Um, there's another, there's another sutta, the Padhana Sutta, where the Buddha is talking to a demon from the, uh, an army, of course, of the army of Mara. And, um, the, he's, the Buddha says to him, I will destroy your army with wisdom, like an unbaked clay bowl with a stone, having mastered the mind and firmly established mindfulness. That's how you destroy these demons, with wisdom, with seeing clearly, with mindfulness, with being willing to stay. When we're mindful, we can stay. We can develop, develop that intimacy with experience. Whereas when we're not mindful, we're, we're running through our habitual patterns. 
there's a, a friend of mine who is a really beautiful writer. And she posted something today on Instagram that I thought was really, really appropriate to this. So I want to read it. I'm really happy she's writing again. She hasn't written in a while, and now she's starting up again. She said, it's a dangerous thing, constantly presenting and projecting all of the shiny and idealized aspects of ourselves. All the stuff that we, we think we should be and we think you want us to be. It distorts our mind and teaches us that beauty, intelligence, power, success, all of those things we are taught to covet and envy come from a life without strife, without obstacles or difficulties. We are taught that poverty means we are less than, trauma and illness means we are weak, and the desire to live in a, self de a self-determined life means we simply do not fit in. But what if our difficulties are not our shame, but rather our wisdom, our truth, our compassion? And what if when we learn to enter into our difficulties, to see them not as our shame, but as our humanity, to give them voice and make them visible, we become unique and powerful individuals? What if everything we've ever been taught to fear and loathe about ourselves are actually what we what give us the potential to become whole and integral aspects within the great story of what it means to be alive? What if our shame is in fact our power? So when I read that, I think about what this teaching is. Shame is a demon. All these things are demons. And we think we need to beat them off or do something to get rid of them and instead, it's our power. When we can be relax the body, relax the mind, relax the heart, and be with clearly seeing what's happening, building that wisdom, not the reactive, but the responsive moment by moment. What is this? Okay, here you are. I'm willing to be taught. I'm willing for you to bite my head off. That's where the power is because we no longer have to be afraid. We don't have to wear a mask. We can just be what we are. And there's such a freedom in that. There's such a liberation. It's a long journey. It's a long journey. We don't get here overnight. The Buddha, it took the Buddha multiple lifetimes before he, uh, he was ready to become enlightened. So... Take that as a as a note that it might take a minute. Um, so that's that's what I want to invite you to um, sit with this willingness to put your head in the demon's mouth. This willingness to be intimate with what scares you the most. You know, instead of these fixed responses, just be turn towards hold with kindness with compassion always with kindness and compassion most important so those are my thoughts on caves full of demons so um Thank you for visiting Undefended Dharma. 
These teachings are freely offered. However, if you would like to make a donation to help support the technology that makes these podcasts possible, please visit marystancavage.org backslash support. Thank you.